Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 200, Daredevil Season 2, Episode 9, Seven Minutes in Heaven. Hello, and may I welcome you to one more episode of Welcome to Level 7. This is not just any episode. This is episode number 200. And so we are going to celebrate by talking about the ninth episode of the second season of Daredevil. Uh, I know, we're crazy. We're just crazy like that, but that's what we're doing. And yeah, so we're going to right now party like it's not 1999, but party like it's season two, episode nine, something like that. Anyway, 200 episodes. I can't believe it. And yet at the same time, I kind of can. It's crazy. It's wacky. It's far out, man. It's groovy. It's all those things and more, but it's also... Business as usual, because we are going to talk about, like I said, Daredevil episode nine from season two. And to do so, we are going to have our usual opening with phone messages from myself and Dandy Daniel Butcher, the uh, co-founder of the podcast with me. We have uh, thoughts. Uh, These are our original thoughts right after we watch the episode. After that, I'll be joined by Agent Samantha. We will talk about the episode in general. There is no feedback, so we'll just completely skip that section. And then in the post-credit, we don't often talk about post-credits, but last week's post-credit left us in in a cliffhanger. The cliffhanger was this. Would Ben, Ben Avery, me, comic book fan, comic book writer, comic book collector, and Marvel Cinematic Universe podcaster, and also huge, enormous, Deadpool hater. That's right. I'm not just a hater. I'm a hater. I hate Deadpool. I can't stand that character. Nothing against the creators of the character. Nothing against the writers of the character. It's the character himself. Just doesn't. I own two Daredevil Deadpool comics that I purchased on purpose with Deadpool as a title before I knew who the character was before I knew I hated the character. After I purchased those two comic books, they went into my collection. I forgot that they were even there as Deadpool comic books. And then, you know what? I'm talking too much about Deadpool. I'm going to talk about it at the end here. Did I buy a Deadpool comic? We will find out in the post credit, but for now let's find out what Dandy Daniel butcher and Bendy Benjamin Avery. (laughs) That doesn't work as well as Dandy. Daniel. Anyway, let's find out what we thought about this episode when we first watched, and then we will get into some more in-depth discussion. Thank you once again for joining us. I'm going to play the sounder, and we are going to get started right about now. Opening statements. So there are two cool things about doing this podcast the way we're doing this, where we're kind of revisiting the season from before. Because it's Netflix, we binge-watched. I binge-watched in about... Uh, two weeks, maybe three, 
Daniel binge watched in about four or five, no, probably closer to six months. But we both binge watched in our own way. And what's cool about it, then coming back, we have to rewatch for this this coverage. Uh, what what's cool about it is rediscovering the episodes and seeing things we'd forgotten about and subplots and stuff like that. The other thing that's cool about it for me is seeing what did I think about this episode back then when I first watched it and how does it line up with what I think about the episode now. And so I'm going to play right now because with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we're able to get that immediate reaction. Well, here is the immediate reaction of Daniel Butcher. Yes, he actually remembered to call in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's just future Ben taking a little dig at past Daniel. Let's play the message. Daredevil season two, seven minutes in heaven. Agent Daniel here. Wow, an hour long episode. You deserved it. That was intense. Now, the sad thing is, though, I, I will have to admit, the whole Wilson and Frank stuff, that's the stuff that's got my attention. <coughs> the stuff I really cared about. That's the stuff I want to see more of. What happens when these two meet? Well, I saw that. Wilson being back at the top again, being the man in the box. I just found it intense and interesting and something I enjoyed watching. So, yeah, bring on some more of that. Sadly, the Matt stuff, just like in the comics, though, I'm, I'm kind of meh towards Matt. I've always been mad towards Matt, though. I mean, this is the best Matt, the best Daredevil I've seen. But lack of character growth. Just saying, we just seem to be hovering over being the same person over and over again. And I'm kind of tired of it. But again, Fisk. Love me some Fisk. Love me some Frank. Get those guys on a, a duo, a buddy film, going across America in an RV. That's some good stuff. Please out later. Bye. Fisk and Frank almost sounds like, uh, I just for some reason, makes me think of Mac and Cheetos, which is uh, something that Burger King is selling right now that my kids ask me repeatedly today, Dad, don't you want to try that? Dad, don't you want to try that? No, no. I love Mac and Cheese. I love Cheetos. I do not ever, ever want to try them together. Fisk and Frank, on the other hand, together on a road trip past Daniel. That's a fantastic idea. I want to see the comic. I want to see it now. Actually, I want to write the comic. I want to write it now, but I'm not going to. Instead, I am going to play my message, my initial reaction to Daredevil Season 2, Episode 9. Okay, I just got done watching Episode episode 9, I think it is, and uh, I this is my instant reaction, so I'm kind of thinking through things I want to say, but first of all, this episode shows why Ben should not have died last season. <laughs> ben would have been a much better, Ben Urich, the reporter, would have been a much better person to have here uh, with Karen than than his editor. Uh, and it's nice that we got the, you know, she's kind of, you know, benefiting from Ben Urich's legacy or whatever, getting to walk into his office and all that kind of thing is kind of cool and kind of neat. But it's not... Um, it's not it, – I don't think it's as good as it could have been if Ben was still around. But it is a nice um, a nice movement forward for Karen's character. Uh, 
looking for a theme in this episode, looking for an idea, a big idea. There's a lot of stuff about being set free. I feel like Karen is being set free into a new um, place where she can look for truth. I feel like you know they're setting these people free from the blood thing that is going on. Punisher um, is getting set free. And, you know, Kingpin showing up last episode was delightful because I wasn't expecting it. Uh, really, I I might have known that he was in it a little bit. That might have been spoiled for me, but if it was, I forgot about it. And so when it happened, it was just kind of a, oh, that's cool. And then this episode, this is a nice, you know, gives us some nice Kingpin information. What's going on with him? How is he bringing in Frank Castle? And it, it's it's kind of nice, but kind of, you know, setting up season three really is what's happening here. And, you know, I was, I'm hoping we would get some more setup for other things that's going on. So, oh, what else? What else can I say? Um, future, future Ben, whoever is helping you with this episode, um, again, a good solid episode. Uh, it's not as exciting or as satisfying or as fresh as season one was. Um, the ultra violence, I guess that's, that doesn't make something fresh, but it, it's there and it's it is brutal. But, um, yeah, this is, this is what we call, uh, this is, if this is the sophomore slump, you know, then, then bring it on because it's not too shabby and Kingpin, uh, it's nice to have him back. Ben, I wish you could be back and beyond that, um, future Ben, I'm just going to have to say, uh, something mean about you right now. You're, you're, and the three minutes cut him off. So, <laughs> Sorry, past Ben, Ooh, but not sorry. Um, anyway, I, you know, I like those themes, the set free theme. Nice work, past Ben. Again, I don't remember saying that, so I'm uh, happy to hear it. Okay, so from here, we're going to now um, invite Agent Samantha to join us, and we're going to have our in earnest discussion of the episode in depth, in earnest. So let's let's go to it. Case evidence. Okay, so hello, Agent Samantha. Welcome. Hello. Welcome to the episode of Welcome to Level 7. And uh, you ready to talk about Seven Minutes in Heaven? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess so. Okay, all right. (laughs) Though it is probably the most ironic title of an episode yeah. this season. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know what the title means. I never played the game that the title comes from. Um, Me neither. <laughs> but I'm, I'm wondering, did the title come because they, as they wrote the episode, they're like, okay, so seven minutes only. And, and then after the episode was done being written and they're looking at it, like, what can we call this? Hey, seven minutes. Wait, seven minutes. Yeah, yeah. Or did they say, we're going to call this episode seven minutes in heaven. And to make it work, let's, (laughs) let's give him seven minutes in cell block A. So it's a chicken and egg scenario that I'm asking about. Well, with this scenario, there is an actual answer. We just don't know it. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you can't know. 
which came first, the chicken or the egg? Or, or actually, probably more likely, the writer's room, they're sitting around and they're talking about, okay, so he only gets a few minutes, you know, and, and uh, maybe someone said, hey, like seven minutes, like seven minutes in heaven. And then, like, then it's not chicken or the egg, it's the chicken and the egg at the same time. Yeah. That's what came first. I don't know. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, the seven minutes are not exactly the most heavenly for, for <laughs> no. this, this situation. So, <laughs> no, and I was having flashbacks to Gangs of New York. <laughs> oh, no. Not, and I was like, I was, yeah, I was covering my eyes like, no. Not, not a favorite of yours, uh, from what no. I understand. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen that movie. Um, I don't, don't know if I will, to. but yeah. uh, I know I don't know if it was all of you two or if it was just Bono and the Edge or so, they they did a song for it I think, but yeah, um, yeah, you just need to know that it's a very bloody Martin Scorsese film. Well, there's and, a very bloody Martin Scorsese type scene in this episode, so yeah, I I, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, okay. You know, no surprise, maybe, that you would think of a very bloody movie that you hate when you're watching a a scene play out. Uh. <laughs> but, all right. So I've got sort of, uh, I don't know, plot groupings here. And as I was making my notes, I, I kind of have little titles for each one. And and so I'm going to we'll just talk about each of these little subsections of the plot. And it's basically following character groups or character arcs, because um, our first little bit here is Wilson Fisk in prison. And that's what I want to talk about first. And it's easy because that happened first in the episode. Um, and this was like 10 minutes before credits would roll was, yeah. was all this Wilson Fisk stuff. And it was cool to see because this is all the stuff that came between season one and season two for Wilson Fisk before he shows up in last the last episode. And so we see him giving up his clothes. We see him dropping his cufflinks into the little, little uh, box thing that they'll give to him when he comes out of prison. Um, we see him getting his prison uniform. And then we see him meeting with people. We see him meeting with his lawyer who basically says, keep your head down, avoid trouble. You see a meeting with Dutton who says, I run the big box and I know people like you. You ain't never seen a throne you didn't want to sit in. And then he meets uh, Stuart. It's unfortunate that Stuart is not with us because Stuart and I both had people in this episode that we, um, well, mine was dead, but they talked about him. <laughs> um, but he meets Stuart, who is a white collar criminal. And he says, we're not like the savages in here. And then he also has these Valdez brothers. And he instantly goes to bat for them for Stuart and the Valdez brothers to get him some, some people on his side. And then finally he meets the Punisher and we find out why he really wanted to meet the Punisher. And it's basically, he wants the Punisher to take care of a problem for him because he wants to keep his head down and he's, he's got a deal and Punisher is not interested, but eventually it's, it's, he's convinced and the, he's convinced because Dutton facilitated this deal between the three groups that the Punisher was after that was involved in that massacre. And we're going to go a whole bunch of information about this massacre in this episode about what happened to his parents, which is let's start there because I didn't know where they were going to go with Punisher after the trial. And we were, you know, that was only episode eight. <laughs> and 
we still have four more episodes, but there's more of the mystery. And in this episode, we find out just exactly how much more of the mystery there is. But yeah, it ends with Fisk or Stuart. I can't remember who handing, uh, handing Frank Castle a shiv and <laughs> says, it's the best we can do, but I'm sure you'll make do. So yeah. What do you think about Fisk here in prison? And it's, we spent two thirds of the season without Wilson Fisk and now he's back and he's large and in charge again. <laughs> yeah. And he's staring at another white textured wall again. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's everywhere. It's one of those things that you can just find. You don't have to purchase one. Yeah. Uh, and so he's, it's good. And it takes him to that place where, I would never want to be in that place, that headspace. No, but no, who would? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm and glad. I'm glad they didn't linger there too much, though. Yeah, you know, the callback was there. We understand it, and and now let's yeah, let's keep moving here. Yeah, and I noticed that when we first meet Dutton, that he he's. He's toying with Fisk in almost a very seductive way. Just, I mean, just for those first few minutes. And then he's like, hi, you know, um, there's a certain prison phrase I'm not going to use. <laughs> but, I mean, he toys with him for a couple minutes and then he gets down to serious as and this is my place. And, and uh, you know, basically he was warning him that it, that prisoners for animals and yeah i i get a i get that friendly threatening yeah what he's trying to do it's it happens often um but he's the top dog he's the kingpin of the joint um right and he's not going to let anyone else shoot you know horn in on that we find out he runs 80 percent of the contraband in the in the prison. And that includes, he, he has control over some guards, you know, he's, he's got some guards on his side and, and, you know, what's interesting about that is, you know, once a guard is doing stuff for a prisoner, um, there's control that the guard gives up because then that prisoner, if the prisoner goes down, the guard is going to go down too, you know? And, right. Um, but he runs the place and, and here's Kingpin, causing him trouble but then there's that whole keep your head down avoid trouble because that's the only way you're going to get out because things are not looking good legally for for wilson fisk and uh honestly um financially it's not looking good for him either he's telling his lawyer to spend a lot of money to help people on the outside and the lawyer says at one point, this is going to cut into protection money for Vanessa. And, hmm. and Fisk is, and this is where Fisk says, well, this is the last thing we're going to do because after this, we won't need to do anything. We won't need to touch any more of that money that, that we're using. Um, Vanessa wants to come and see him. Fisk says no. And I mean, he's starting over. That's, that's the, yes, it's kind of what it is here is he's starting over and if he's going to start over, he needs to come on strong, but he can't come on strong and and also get out of prison. He has to come on strong, 
but still keep his head down. Yes. Um, I did some research about something that was coinciding with the MCU um, around this time that Fisk was in prison. Mm -hmm. Uh, From what I understand in the comics, when when the comic Civil War was going on, Fisk was in prison and he he even had a small role in in that story. Uh, And the funny thing is when... Around the time that that Daredevil was season two was released, that was around the time that Civil War the movie was released, and so here we have again (laughs) during Civil War in both versions, Fisk is in prison. Yeah, that is kind of funny. Yeah, I mean he doesn't take as much you know action in the Civil War of the MCU, obviously, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah. So what do you think of Wilson Fisk's deal here? Deal? The deal with the devil that the Punisher is making. Not the daredevil, but the devil devil. <laughs> um, you know, he's oh, yeah. proposing the arrangement of I will give you this time with Dutton and you will do what you want to get the information you want. And – this is a situation where Castle says, no way. And Fisk says, you're really going to turn this down just because of who I am. Like I'm offering you what you want, but you're saying no, because it's me. And then Castle says, says yes. <laughs> and, and it, you know, this is the whole, the tide, you know, tide raises all ships. You know, we all benefit from this tide that rolls in, you know, the sun shines on the just and the unjust. Uh, Kingpin didn't say that, but it's the same kind of idea where, you know, I'm giving you this gift, you know, who cares that I'm the one giving it to you. You have your righteous mission that you want to do and you want to find out information about, you know, who caused this massacre that included your family. Oh, I, 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 I don't remember exactly how, I reacted, but I'm not surprised that we found out that um, that Fisk turned on him when it was all over. I I, I was actually. I, I'm pretty sure I was, but yeah, I I was disappointed in Fisk. It's gonna sound <laughs> stupid. I mean, he's he's evil. You know, he does really bad things. He kills people with a car door, but at the same time, he's a man of honor, you know, and you know, a gentleman, evil brute, but yeah, I was, I was disappointed, but, but he's a brute and yeah. Yep. And he knows that the punisher punishes brutes. So it was within his best interest to, to, um, to, you know, if, if he had survived that situation with Dutton to, to make sure that he does not survive. And that didn't quite work out No, the way he thought it would. No, but he definitely turned it to his advantage. Right. But we'll get there. We'll get to that. Uh, anything else here about the, the opening scene? I just really liked seeing what was Fisk up to this whole time. And yeah, yeah, it, it was, a, it was an odd shift. Because it, we all along we've been following 
Matt in the courtroom. And then all of a sudden this episode opens up and we find out what Fisk has been up to. And it was, it's a little bit of a change in tone, but it was good because it was echoing what was going on with Fisk this entire time. Yeah. And we needed, I think we, we needed to see this. We needed to, to know. Oh yes. Cause he's an important part of the daredevil series. And yes. I mean, almost a non-entity up until this point. Um, yeah. All right. So that was Wilson Fisk in prison. Next we have Matt Murdock in pain. And so this is all the stuff that happens in his apartment here, which basically is Electra helping him not die. A bunch of cleaners coming in and cleaning up his apartment after the, you know, throat slitting of a boy ninja. And mm. you have a conversation between Matt and Electro basically ends with you like killing people. You don't want to be good. I need you to get out of here because this is we're going to fight this war, but I need to fight it alone. Goodbye. And then Foggy visits, and it's almost the same kind of conversation with Foggy, <laughs> uh, where he, Foggy comes to suggest we shut down Nelson and Murdoch for a little while, and Matt agrees very quickly and asks also, you know, do you mean the law firm or do you mean the friendship? And yeah, I mean, that's they, – they have a little bit of an argument, and – he asks, well, what do I tell Karen? And Matt ends it with, you tell Karen what I'm telling you. You're better off without me. She's better off without me. And that's how mm -hmm. it ends. And it's not necessarily the death of their friendship, but it's really, really, I mean, the friendship is on life support here. Yeah. It's, it's close. Um, you, you almost get the impression that he is coming to tell Matt I think we need to shut things down and he's hoping that Matt will fight for it, you know? And, and that's the kind of thing that comes up in relationships and it's not necessarily a good, a good way to, to deal with, with, you know, a problem in your relationship, but the whole idea of, you know, I, I want us to take some time away from each other. And I'm only saying that because I want to see you fight for our relationship. I want to see you not just walk away. And then this is what Matt's doing. He's, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, and wait, wait, what? No, that's not, not exactly what I wanted to have happen here, but, um, yeah, I feel bad. I feel bad for foggy. He says he deserves better than this. And he does. Yeah. If he's a real, well, I, well, it's just Matt, got him into this whole situation where they represent Punisher and then he, he barely shows up for anything. So, I mean, he barely shows up for court. Yeah. Um, not cool, Matt. Yeah. And that is the kind of thing that will break up a relationship, any sort of friendship. So, I mean, he, he brought this on himself really because he couldn't manage the two sides of his life. Well, and, and that's something foggy, addresses you know he says i came to talk to my friend not to the vigilante and matt says well i'm they're the same person you know there there isn't a split and, and and you know this is where foggy says you know i just think we need time to rethink things and and matt basically says look time's not going to change me this is who i am and yeah foggy makes some really yeah. good points because he's a good lawyer yeah. And Matt 
has some really good points too, but they're kind of jerky points that are self-centered. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, for all this we're, we're saying about Matt though, I like, I like the way this show portrays the duality of the superhero. And, you know, I mean, Foggy's almost like a, a police spouse. You know, I have, <laughs> I have a couple friends who literally, I, you know, one friend who said, you know, I just got to the point where I, I just had to make myself stop thinking about it and stop wondering if my husband's going to come home. If he comes home, he comes home. And if he doesn't, I don't know what I'll do, but that's, that's a possibility. And it's, it's really awful. You know, it sounds really, yeah. really bad because just knowing that her husband is in a high risk job and that's what's happening here is foggy saying, I don't want, I, I, I don't know if you're going to come home alive when you're doing this stuff. And, you know, I just, I didn't, I deserve better than this. And he does. He does. And, and Matt, I mean, the last time I, you know, had superpowers and started, you know, letting my day job slide because I was getting into fights all night and, and that kind of thing. You know, I, I didn't handle it much better than him because I, I can't imagine how, how he would even handle this. But I like the way they portray things and I like the conflicts that it's bringing up. And I like that Matt's not perfect. Yes. Um, is it a common when I've noticed this with movies, is it a common thing that, well, I guess movies would be the best place to put it, but in like the second installment of say like a trilogy or a season or of a show that frequent, frequently what you see with a superhero is they're trying to figure out how do I manage my superhero identity with my day to day identity and so that's what we're seeing here with Matt this season is he's he's trying to compromise and marry those two identities and it's not working out too well. Um, uh, this was also seen in um, Spider-Man. Yeah. The first Spider-Man movie series um, in the early 2000s uh, and the second Spider-Man movie um, with Tobey Maguire that was all about, you know, how do I manage being Peter Parker and this superhero? Well, and, and it was Superman, too. You know, he gave up his powers. Yes. He gave up his powers to be with Lois Lane because he couldn't be with Lois Lane and be Superman at the same time. And then he had to give up Lois Lane so he could be Superman again. <laughs> and, you know, so he's giving up that that personal life. And... You know, a lot of times the second installment sees the, the hero losing their powers and also having to deal with losing, you know, the, the normalcy that they had before. And, you know, because that's the drama. That's the drama that you get out of out of superhero stories. Yeah. And we had Matt having the psychosomatic episode of going deaf mm -hmm. very early on in the season. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Foggy does leave, and so we get to our third section we're going to talk about. So we have uh, Wilson Fisk in prison, Matt Murdock in pain, and now we have a law firm in disarray. And Karen comes in. Foggy wants to talk to her about 
shutting things down for a little while. And Karen wants to talk to him about stuff she found. <laughs> stuff she found that have to do with the castle case, even though the castle case is done. She's found the John Doe, the missing body. And Foggy keeps telling her to let it go. And Karen is just so tired of being lied to. And she just wants the truth about something. And Foggy says, we both need to start thinking about life outside this office. So there yeah. we have it. Poor Nelson and Murdoch. It's crumbling, falling apart. Oh, that's, that's a very, this is another reason why this episode is so difficult is because Nelson and Murdoch is crumbling to the ground. And they're, they make such a, it's not just the two, it's the three of them. They, yes. they make such a strong legal team. And it's, it's not there anymore. Yeah. So. yeah. And it's not, not fun to watch necessarily. The scene no. itself, though, is a really well done scene because you have these two characters coming at each other at, at cross purposes. You know, they both have their agenda and their agenda does not include what the other person wants to talk about. You know, Foggy is saying we need to just shut things down here and you need to let things go. And Karen doesn't want to think about anything else except what Foggy is telling her to let go of. And, and meanwhile, shutting things down, what does that mean for Karen? She loses the one place where she belongs right now. And, but it's breaking apart. It's crumbling apart. And it's, it's tragedy. Yeah. And he doesn't want to hear what she has to say. No, not at all. No, not um. at all. So now we have Matt being kind of a jerk friend and we have <laughs> Foggy kind of being a, a jerk friend. And yeah, yeah, it's all, and it's good drama. It's good drama, but this is where yeah. we have, this is definitely a TV show. We have all these subplots and subplots and character arcs that aren't just, you know, in, in a movie, Foggy's character arc might be, I got to deal with my best friend is a superhero and that's it. And Karen might have a, a, a character arc that has to do with doing something to step in to help the situation with the superhero stuff and ninja stuff. But here we have subplots about Frank Castle's background, subplots about Karen Page's background, which we're going to get into subplots about the whole relationship that they have right now together. It's, it's definitely a TV show. <laughs> definitely yeah. a TV show. All right. Anything else here about Nelson and Murdoch, a law firm in disarray? I'm going to miss that office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, you know, there is a, there is some legitimate reality to mourning the loss of something like this. You know, where yes. the law firm is not a an entity. The law firm is not a person, but it is definitely a thing. It's a it's a place. It's a home, and it's a a relationship with the three of them that that we've lost now. So. Hmm. Next, we have an accountant in trouble. So Matt goes out as Daredevil to do the war that he has to do on his own without Electra because he sent her on her way. 
and said that she doesn't want to be good and she realizes she liked to kill for fun. And I mean, we, we kind of glossed over that, but Electra, she, she talks about the first time she ever killed someone. And it was just to see if she could. Like, yeah, that's, that's not good. That's, that's really bad. But well, when you're dating someone and they say, yeah, I killed someone just to see if I could. It's time to step back. (laughs) (laughs) Take a giant step back. Like, you know, like about, you know, few hundred miles step back you know (laughs) you know but here's the very interesting thing is and we talked about this before where she is kind of pulling him toward the darkness right and he is trying to pull her toward the light and he says it is a really weird way of putting it but it kind of makes sense but he says we need to stop corrupting each other now he says that yeah and clearly you know the common definition of the word corrupt, she is doing that with him. She is pulling him toward the the dark side, so to speak, but he is corrupting her from her darkness. Like he is a corrupting influence of light trying to help her to be good. Like that was a really, really odd way to put it and a really, really interesting way to put it. And it's, that's some really good writing right there. Yes. Yes. So he's going in alone to do the war against the hand. And he confronts Stan, the accountant, and he threatens him. He interrogates him. What are they planning? And guys like they're not planning it. They've already done it. You know, that classic thing. We find out they have Stan's son. And so we have an arrangement, another arrangement between um two unlikely allies and that is show me where they're doing all this stuff and i'll help you with your son and so stan takes daredevil to the farm and he goes in quiet and stealthy and he takes out guards we don't even see him take out guards that's how quiet and stealthy he is um they couldn't even get it on film Uh, (laughs) and we get some enigmatic things said like, uh, you are not the only devil who walks the streets. And then he hears bubbling. Um, now I'm watching this with the sound kind of down because it was nighttime when I watched it this last time and the subtitles say bubbling sounds or something like that. (laughs) Um, but he, he realizes what he hears and smells, I guess is, is blood. And then he finds that there are these people attached to tubes, getting blood pumped out of them. And it's kind of going to the sarcophagus thing. And then a ninja comes and is like, Hey, uh, we're not done here. Um, please leave this alone. And we get a ninja fight. And the ninja is Nobu. Nobu-san. But he's dead. But there or is, is no, he? there is no <laughs> such thing. I mean, he takes off the mask. We can see him. It's him. He's got burns. Um, but this, when all this stuff was kind of happening and, and you see, you know, these people coming back to life, it wasn't a surprise to me because of the whole Electra backstory where she is brought back to life in the comics by the hand. And you hear, you heard Stick say that Electra had come back from worse than this when, when she was uh, really bad off. And um, there's, there's going to be more to this because when he leaves 
with the sarcophagus thing, you know, clearly something more is going to happen with this thing. But yeah, he's not dead. He's getting better. <laughs> yeah. He feels happy. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he'll go for a walk now. <laughs> Well, and see, my you're going to Monty Python. I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to Princess Bride. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Clearly, he said to play, which means to bluff. bluff. He owes you money from. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, Nobu, he's back, and he he wins the fight against Matt. I mean, it, he leaves. He he escapes. You know, but. Um, but Matt owes him one, so yeah. he gets to escape this time. Yeah. Yeah. So, ninja fight. Stan the man. Um, interesting that they call him Stan. You yeah, know, I, I picked up on that. Like, I, I'm just wondering. You name a character like that. And you name the character like that a name that actually has a connection to what you're doing as a writer. Yeah. Maybe Stan's not the best name to use here for this sniveling guy who, um, you know, had to do these bad things because otherwise his son was going to die. But poor Stan. You mean it's it's best not to name a character like this after one of the creators? Yeah. 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 Unless you're, you're – it might be a gentle teasing kind of thing. Yeah, I'm guessing the writers of the show don't have a relationship with the guy himself or the man, as they they call him. Maybe not directly. No. No. Well, uh, yeah. So now we know. I mean, Nobu's back. There's going to be more ninja stuff going on, more hand stuff going on. The sarcophagus is obviously something important. And the war will continue. And that's, that's, that's Daredevil's thing. Going to do it by himself. But Karen has a thing too. So now we have a legal assistant in transition. And that is, uh, Karen's looking for a new job or maybe she doesn't know she's looking for a new job, but she's definitely doing a new job. And she goes to Ellison, tries to give him the stuff she found about this, she saw a picture of the massacre. There was a body on the ground. And then in another picture that was taken soon afterward, the body is gone, but shouldn't be gone yet. And the coroner mentioned, you know, that there's this, this John Doe. And so there she hands this off to Ellison, tries to get Ellison to take it. And Ellison's like, no, no, this is your thing. And we'll do it together. We'll go to Dr. Tapper and we will confront him together because you're good, but you're not that good. <laughs> and yeah, so they go, they talk to him. They find out that the John Doe that was that went missing was not uh, a mobster or a gangster, but was actually an undercover cop. And so there's some really heavy implications here now that cops were involved in the Castle family massacre. And. You know, she is on fire now. How high does this go? And and Allison's like, I don't know how high it goes, but I'll totally give you an office. You know, come on in. And he's going to give her Ben's office. And so here we see some of Karen's backstory. Did, did oh, you, yeah. Did you take a close look at any of this stuff that was going on here? 
Um, as I didn't stop it, I couldn't stop it and read it. I I did. Um, I did. You did. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't even remember noticing the first time around with this part uh, that she had looked at something and seen something other until they said something about, you know, Ben knew about that thing that you just looked at in that file folder there. I've read it too. He didn't care. Neither did I, but the headline is mystery accident causes teen fatality. And it's um, about, it talks about a 16 year old, Teen who died in a car crash, but it was just a single car crash, and it's an unsolved death. The teen is named Kevin Page, and he veered off the road for an unknown reason and was found dead at the scene. And she sees this, and she, you know, her reaction is one that you'd expect, you know, being reminded suddenly of, of a tragedy in your life. But the question I have is, was she somehow involved in his death? That is a good question. Uh, because this is – there's some mystery in her past that we haven't known about yet, and I think this is it. I think this is the big mystery from her past that you know, when, when she was with um, What's-His-Head – that she had killed the uh, Fisk's assistant. Um, she makes it seem like she's killed someone before. That's right. Yeah, and, she did. And so I'm, I'm wondering if this, I don't know. I don't know, but it's, it's basically the, it's an unsolved death. And so there's, there's plenty of directions they could take this. It could just be, she's upset because that's when she lost her brother, but it could be, she was involved in it somehow. And that's her, her dark secret that she doesn't want anyone to know about. And I'm really curious now. But the bottom line is she's the new Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to continue following this thread. And yeah, I'm glad. I mean, she gets to do stuff beyond just supporting Foggy and Matt. And being the girlfriend, I mean, she's she's out there. She's 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 Lois Lane. That's what this is. I mean, she's not Lois Lane that gets in trouble all the time and ends up hanging out of a helicopter or getting caught by bad guys when she's eavesdropping. Um, but she's Lois Lane. She's the superhero's girlfriend and she's a reporter. Or she's working on it. Yeah. Well, the cool thing here is that instead of being the help she gets to have her own headlines. She, her name is in the byline as opposed to um, being somebody's assistant, or giving someone else the credit. Because right, because I mean, Ellison has people coming to him and saying, "Where did you get your information?" And he's taking credit for it because he has to, and because she, you know she, he that's the way it's going to work. If things are going to come out, it's going to come out in this way. But now he's pushing her. He's pushing her to do this and he's pushing her to follow this thing that she clearly, man, she wants this, you know, and, and he is going to support her and help her get to the point where she can do it. And he sees another Ben, he sees another Ben and he's excited. And, and I am too, because I used to not like Ellison. We weren't supposed to at the beginning, 
but now we're supposed to. And they're doing yeah. a good job of giving us a, a, a character to like. Did you did you notice the Pepto Bismol that was on the desk? No, I didn't. There, yeah, there's a container of a bottle of Pepto Bismol right on the desk. So <laughs> when Karen when Karen sits down, you can it's it's an it's dead center. Okay, so here's my question to you then: Do you think Ben was a pour it out into the little cup that it comes <laughs> with, and you just take two teaspoons? Or do you think he was drink directly from the bottle? Oh, directly from the <laughs> bottle. <laughs> In big, big gulps. Yeah. Just, and I'm just sure... three. Just three big gulps. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I'm sure half the time it's Ellison's fault, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Anything um, else with well, this? Yeah, with Karen's accident, I... There was just something about it. Maybe it's because they really haven't delved and really delved into that story, and we only have had hints of it so far. Mm-hmm. But may, I just feel like it's 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 a weak storyline because this is what's been connecting her with Punisher all season, and it's, it has not been really spoken of at all. And. I don't maybe I, maybe it's just because we don't have enough information yet, but I I just had a hard time thinking that this is her driving force to try to free Frank. Yeah, and I don't remember if they actually do more with this in this season. I don't think they do. And so that makes it even I mean because it's so vague that that the vagueness of it makes it weak anyway. Right. But maybe when they bring it in th- season three, we'll, we'll get more information and we'll, we'll say, Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Totally makes sense now. Or yeah. maybe it'll be, it'll be like you're saying, wow, it's really weak. <laughs> <laughs> That's the connection. Nah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> because every time I watch, watch this season i keep forgetting that she's she has this driving motivation to to save frank but then we get to this episode i was like oh yeah that she has this huge secret that she's been holding on to and i yeah maybe yeah maybe we'll get to it next season and that will justify all the secrecy from her about it well we will find out and it either will or it won't and honestly, it could just end up being a situation where it doesn't because they just didn't even go there. They just let let it slide. But I have a feeling this is going to be an important part of season three. And it's going to be some sort of connecting point, not just to like the driving force behind why she wants to help Punisher. But now that I think about it, though, he lost his family. Yes. And she lost her brother. Yes. I mean, that, that could, I, I don't know that I haven't thought about it up until you said something. So I, I haven't fully formulated anything. Um, cause I, I didn't actually connect the, her, you know, her loss there to her driving force with, with Frank. You know, I just completely forgotten about that. Um, so now you bring that up and it's, 
Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's enough right now. Yeah, it's just enough, barely. Yeah. But you you know, it definitely because of how vague it is. It, it is weak right now. Yes. But. All right, are you ready for this next scene or this next No, I'm not. <laughs> All right. So, here we have a Punisher in battle. And Castle goes to cell block A. And he goes to Dutton. He confronts Dutton. He says, who, who pulled the trigger? And this is where we get more information about how the police were involved. The massacre that happened, it wasn't intended to be like a gangland hit, a gangland massacre. It was a sting. And the the FBI the undercover, they were after the man in charge called the blacksmith. And... Frank kills Dutton. The guards lock him in. Fisk is right there. Fisk should have never been there. Okay. Whether or not he, he was a part of all this stuff, he should have never been there and revealed himself to Frank, but he, he did. It was Fisk who turns the guards against Frank and they lock him in with the other inmates and open the doors for all the other inmates in cell block a, and suddenly, and this is what I wrote down. I'm going to sing it, though. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, no. Everybody was hallway fighting. <laughs> it's it's a Netflix standard. You know, if there's a hallway, there's going to be a fight. And <laughs> so I also wrote down he he's worthy to wield the hammer. It's just he uses the hammer in such a way that Thor never has for us and <laughs> cracks people's heads in. And then wow. I I had to write this one down when he attacks the one guy by poking his thumbs in his eyes. I wrote down the eyes have it. Um, yeah. Ow. Yeah. Ow. But the battle is brutal and bloody. Punisher wins because this is what I realized. He has the I'm not going to call it superpower, but he has the ability to get them before they get him. And so as they are all just coming at him, he is just able to slip in there with a little move or a big blow, getting them before they have a chance to get him. It's survival. It's a survival instinct that has a whole lot of training behind it. And and then the police come in after he kills or maims everyone. And it, it's it's a brutal Brutal fight. The police come in. They take him to Fisk in chains. And and Fisk has got another arrangement. He's going to let Frank go. He's going to help Frank escape. Um, not before he beats Frank up a little bit, but he is going to help Frank escape so that when Fisk gets out of prison... It won't be so he's going to wage war against a bunch of criminals. It'll be to win the war against a bunch of criminals because those criminals are dead and taken care of by Frank. And Castle walks out of prison in a guard's body armor. All right. So I know your feelings about the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anything more to say about what's going on here? Yeah, have you noticed the Punisher face or the Punisher logo 
on his shirt in the blood. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that logo actually has been interpreted as a motif throughout the season for him. Can I say something about the Punisher logo? Sure. I noticed this and I can't remember if I ever brought it up on the podcast. I definitely brought it up with Daniel Butcher in a conversation that we had on a, a messenger, but I was driving one day and I saw someone with a Punisher sticker in the back window. And as I'm following them, I'm kind of looking at this Punisher sticker and the skull is there, but the teeth of the skull in the Punisher's symbol are so stinking long. Yeah. That person whose skull that is, is a freak of nature. <laughs> I, I mean, this is, this is some sort of mutant xenomorph kind of thing. I mean, it, it is crazy long teeth. I mean, it is, it is a human rabbit hybrid, human rabbit walrus hybrid. Um, just with these funky teeth. And I, it doesn't, it's not an intimidating symbol to me anymore. <laughs> I look at that and just think <laughs> that is one crazy looking person who had a skull with, with teeth like that. Huh. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I do have a Punisher mug that I, when I make, you know, raspberry tea, which is a very weak tea, <laughs> <laughs> I drink it sometimes out of this mug. Um, is it yeah, the maybe, is, maybe it, is the mug is it, like a skull shape? No, it has a wrap pattern on it. Oh, okay. And um, so I wonder, is that supposed to be like vampire teeth? Not quite. <laughs> well, it's in the original costume. It was actually like um, I think gun clips, like on his belt or something like that. I can't. Oh. I can't remember exactly how that all worked, but it it just doesn't it just doesn't it cracks me up a little bit inside every time i see that because i think of i don't know if this character will, will is a character you were familiar with but the max which is an image character that was also an mtv cartoon and he had these he's like a warrior rabbit thing in a in a dreamscape and it just makes me think of that of of the max so although the max he was a he was a pretty powerful powerful dude so the max yeah i do not recall that i well i'm more of a visual person so maybe yeah. if i find a picture of him you I would will probably recognize. recognize him but that's why i'm like I, i'm throwing it out it's a it's an image character from the 90s really i mean he's come back a couple times but um it's not it's not no, definitely not Max Headroom. No, the Max M A X X. M A X X. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When when you see him, you might recognize him. And honestly, I don't know enough about the things you like yet to know if I could give it a strong recommendation to you. I, I don't know if it's. I, I just don't know yet. But the Max. Yeah. Um, but it is I a look- very very good series. What I remember of it from nineteen ninety three, four, five, huh. some somewhere around in there. So I will look into it and let you know. Okay. All right. So castle gets out and that's the deal. You get out right now and you kill a bunch of criminals. And when I get out, the city is going to be weak so I can take over crime land. 
Yeah. It's a win-win. I mean, we want. Is it? Yeah. Castle Is it? Castle gets to do all the stuff he wants to do. And Fisk gets to, uh, you know, come out of prison and, and be on top and be the kingpin. Well, that's not Castle's opinion. No, but Castle's going. I mean, it's true. And because here's the thing. Is Castle going to stop? No. He's not going to stop. And strategically for him, it is best for him to get out of that prison because if he stays in there, he is going to be killed eventually. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he definitely does not want to stay in there. And he has his war on crime that he wants to wage. Yes, and in a prison full of criminals, yeah, that's not where you want to be. No, because they're already in prison. Right. And even though they may deserve, in Frank's mind, a punishment worse than what they're getting in prison, they're still off the streets right now. And so in that in that way, that's helping his war on crime because their his war his war needs the prison system to, to help him. True. You know, but yeah, it's what a what a spot, you know? He is put in the situation where he's basically the he's Wilson Fisk's um lapdog. You know, he's he's being sent to go fetch. And and he can't help himself. But Yeah, he's he's, he's his lapdog for seven minutes. Yeah. yeah and I that's mean, it. Well, but he, he he is now any any criminal he kills out in the world is another criminal that Wilson Fisk does not have to deal with when he gets out of prison to take over things. Yes. And it's the same kind of thing with even, you know, even Batman or Superman with their rogues gallery, where as soon as they defeat one bad guy that allows another bad guy to step up and, and take the, the place and fill in the void. And, I mean, it's just it's just a natural way of things, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. in this case, Fisk makes the point to say, dude, you're out there doing your thing. But really, you're only out there because of me. And that means you're doing my thing because I play the long game. And you can't help yourself, but you play the short game. So almost feel bad yeah. for Frank Castle. Actually, I do feel bad for Frank Castle, but that's not why. This almost makes me feel a little bit worse for Frank Castle. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anything more about this scene here? Um, no, that's it for me. All right. I almost feel like this should have been the end scene. This should have been the climax of of the episode instead of ending with the ninja fight. But yeah, that's where we are. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh there is one thing that comes up. All right. I've or I it may have been brought up in an earlier episode, but I think it was Dutton who named the person that the police were after in the sting, the blacksmith. He shares the name and then who else mentions the blacksmith? Kingpin. Was it Alice? Kingpin? Fisk mentions Okay. Fisk mentions it to um to Frank when he's, he's saying you you want to get out it's another one of those dangling the the uh, 
the carrot kind of thing where Frank Castle's like, I'm not going to do this for you. But then Fisk is like, you, you need to, you know, you want to, because you got to find this blacksmith. You got to find the blacksmith. Yes. But Dutton, yeah, is the one who, who brings him up first in that interrogation. The man who is in charge, the blacksmith. Yes. And just for a moment, their interests align. And, you know what, really, Frank has got to do what he's got to do. And I don't blame him for making this deal with Fisk. No, I, I don't Not- blame him either. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, that that's the, that's the whole thing, is do you accept the gift that's going to help you to do good, even though the gift is coming from someone who is bad? And... I can understand the conflict, the internal conflict, but I, I definitely feel like he is doing the only thing he can do. I mean, yes, it's all illegal. Okay. So I'm not recommending people go out, kill people, go to jail and escape from jail and things like that. I'm, I'm not saying that, but as far as a character here, like Punisher, yeah, you do what you got to do. And this is what you got to do. All right, so the final scene I wanted to talk about, because for me, this is the one that sticks with me, even more than that sarcophagus with Nobu lowering down in the elevator while Daredevil can barely go after them. Um, Okay, so Punisher in battle, a legal assistant in transition, and here we have a crime lord in critical condition. Fisk is just eating his dinner to make sure Dutton doesn't die alone. and. This is such a scene. He's just calmly, nonchalantly, he's eating dinner. He's talking to Dutton, telling Dutton exactly what's going to happen to his body. He says, don't worry. You're not going to die alone. I'm going to stay here. And it's like the one way he can make Dutton's death worse than what it's going to be. is He's just going to sit there and watch him die. It's not just that. It's he's eating Yes. While this is going on. Yes. Uh, and there is just something. I mean, realistically, it's it's not really that. Well, there's just something really grotesque about it. That's even more grotesque than that scene earlier in the hallway uh, with Castle fighting everybody. It's just something. It's just really just low and animalistic that he's eating the steak. Right in front of Dutton, as he's describing Dutton dying and saying, oh, you'll be dead in just a few hours. Yeah, it's that gentlemanly brutality, you know, where he is he's eating proper, you know, and and using yeah. utensils and sitting straight up. But it's yeah. also marrying that that gentleman brutality with the anim, animalistic nature of the prison. Mm-hmm. Because. Yeah. It's it's almost like it just has this feel of 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 Fisk eating Dutton himself. Yeah, well, yeah. It's just. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry if that just sounds gross, but it's it's like you're dying, and I'm going to eat. Yeah. It comes down to that, and that, yeah, and that really grossed me out when I watched it. I rem- I remember that from the first watch. I just. 
It was just so gross. It's gross, but it's not, you know, it's you take yeah. the element of him just eating. He is not doing anything disgusting. His behavior is not, you know, like he's tearing into it or anything like that. Right. But you, you use the word animalistic. And that wasn't a word I would have used until I'm thinking about like this, uh, the way you brought up the prison system that they are in. It's this animalistic situation where, you know, survival of the fittest and, and all these things. And, and he, Dutton is the guy on top. He's the top dog. He is the, the leader of the pack. And then you have him. He's lost. Kingpin had the upper hand completely takes down Dutton without doing a thing. And now he's sitting there and he's dining and you can almost, you know, if they were wolves out in, you know, the forest or whatever, you know, it would almost be like they did have this battle and, you know, for who's going to be the, the leader of the pack. And now he's just tearing into this dead body. Uh, you know, if it was like out in the, out in the forest with, with the animals, but you're right. I mean, the word, it is disgusting, but he is not doing anything that if you take him out of that situation where he's sitting there watching this guy die, that's not disgusting. You know, that's just normal. That's just we're eating food. And mm. the context here is just ugly and brutish and and gross and disgusting. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that is the that is the image that stuck with me after watching this this episode. That is the thing that stuck with me the most, even more than um, Frank Castle standing in the hallway covered in blood on his white um, prison uniform or whatever you call it. Um, you know, newbies get white. And I think one of the reasons <laughs> I, I don't know if this is true in real prisons, it might be. Um but it definitely sets up a situation where you can have that bloody white uniform similar to Electra when she cut the throat of the ninja in, in our last episode. I don't think it's a new thing. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's a thing where, that they do in real life in prison systems because that could just lead to a whole mountain of trouble. Well, doesn't it just lead to like, targeting you know like yeah i mean they would know who the new person is when right but yeah but it definitely allows us to get the visual so yeah all right anything else to say about our episode here well uh yeah um when daredevil goes with stan the accountant down um to investigate what's going on underneath, uh, I forget what it is, but when they find all, all of those kids in those cages with the sarcophagus, mm -hmm. uh, we really didn't talk about that. And we really don't know what's going on much with these kids other than their blood's being drained from them and something else is being put in from the sarcophagus. And I think that's really a conversation that's best left for the next episode. Yeah, I mean, we're going to learn more, but this is another scene that is it's gross <laughs> yeah it's, another gross scene um and it, it's it, it is feeding off of someone else's life literally i mean i don't know what it is exactly but they the only reason you would take blood away from someone and keep it 
is if it's being used for something else. And so how is it being used? I don't remember. Um, I mean, there are things that have been revealed in other Netflix episode, uh, series um, that make you wonder how does this tie in to those things. But from what I remember of Daredevil Season 2, I don't remember what happened with that blood. I don't remember what they were doing with that blood. And the scene actually surprised me because I'd forgotten all about the scene, <laughs> which I don't know. It's, that's one of the ways that this is just fun to do. I don't rewatch TV very much anymore these days because of time, but rewatching Daredevil this season because it was so long ago that we actually got it the first time around. I had forgotten about that stuff. Yeah, I thinking all as as the time we record this, um, Iron Fist has been released, and without spoiling much, I don't think we do know much more really about what goes on and, and what they were doing in this process with these kids. I don't think we've gotten a clear answer yet. No. So that's something we can wait to continue to discover in the future. Yep. And of course I've only done one watch of iron fist. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if this is all stuff that is really going to be big for defenders you know, getting into the the black sun or whatever it is, um, black sky. I can't remember. Black sky. Yeah, black sky. I keep thinking black sun because of black hole sun. Yeah, like and or, or Chris Cornell and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. May right. he rest in peace. That yeah. video was so creepy, man. It was. That video was so creepy. It played every. I mean, it was always on that the summer that I actually had access to MTV. That video was always, always on man. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up then because we don't have any feedback, uh, with this episode and yeah, we do have the post credit. I had a conundrum from last week in our post credit. The conundrum has been solved, but which way has it been solved? Most people have probably figured it out, but I'm going to go ahead and keep it a secret until we run the credits. <laughs> um, but yeah, so any any final words uh, for, for our audience before we, we sign off? Thank you for listening and keep writing in. And I just want to say thank you for listening. 200 episodes. Thank you so much. We really, really, really appreciate it. And, you know, it just reminds me of some advice my grandfather gave me back back when I was 16 and learning to drive. And he said, you know, the, the day that you feel like you know everything about driving is the day you should not get behind the wheel because you're going to make a mistake. And, you know, I mean, basically, I mean, you can apply this advice here to us here on the podcast where, you know, 200 episodes, that seems like a lot. You know, it seems like you should be an expert by that point. But... I can't help feeling that he might, you know, give this advice to us now. He might just say, don't get cocky. You're not that good yet. (music) 
Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7, or by following us on Twitter, where we are level7pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. Okay, so if you're still with me, it's because you want to know, did Ben buy a Deadpool comic? Uh, Some people are asking different questions. You know, it's the same question. It's just in different words. Like, did hell freeze over? (laughs) Okay. And the answer to the question is, I did. I did. I couldn't help myself. I had to do it, not because it was part of Secret Empire. I could care less if it was part of Secret Empire, although Secret Empire... I, I I don't remember if I said this last week with this episode, last episode, but Secret Empire to me at least is Marvel trying to do something new and different, and trying to do something surprising with a character who you would think you can't surprise people with, and you know they're trying, and there's some real honest to goodness creativity going into this. I I hated the whole deal with the devil thing to annul Peter Parker's marriage basically. I didn't like that, but at the same time, you have to appreciate the amount of creativity that goes into that, trying to figure out what is what, what is a way we can do this with the character, make him single, and yet at the same time, not make him a, you know, a, a divorcee, you know, and, and the answer is there's no good way. I mean, maybe there is a good way. Actually, no, they had a good way with the clones and all that, that stuff, uh, but anyway, it's the same kind of thing here with Secret Empire. Steve Rogers, he was a Hydra all along. And, um, you know, the Steve Rogers we knew was actually a Steve Rogers who was rewritten using a cosmic cube into a different reality so that we could win World War II and the Nazis did not win World War II, blah, blah, blah. It's creative. is interesting. But I'm not buying it. I might read it later on. Uh, I don't feel like I need to. I feel like I know everything that's going on because of what's going on uh, with the you know news reports and stuff like that. But um, you know, Secret Empire, th- that's one thing. This is a tie into Secret Empire, and it's a Coulson tie into Secret Empire. I and that's why I bought it. I bought it for Coulson. My love and appreciation for the character of Coulson overrode my hatred for the character of Deadpool. And I really wish I would have a chance to talk about this with Daniel, actually with Daniel, who, you know, I never thought I'd be saying this on this podcast. There's two things I never thought I'd be saying on this podcast. One of them I'm saying here and now for episode 200, I bought a Deadpool comic. That is our celebration of episode 200. Yay us. Um, I really wish I could have this conversation with Daniel because when we got together, he didn't know I hated Deadpool, and I had no idea that he loved Deadpool. Deadpool is one of his, if not his favorite character. And so I wish I could have this conversation with him 
but I bought it because I knew Coulson was in the comic and it turns out he had a very important role. And the whole idea behind it is that Deadpool is working for Captain America and thinks that Captain America is still, you know, he, he's good. And this is before things in secret empire really blow up and people start realizing that maybe there's some problems with Steve Rogers and, and that, but Deadpool is on Steve Rogers side and Steve Rogers gives Deadpool a mission. And that mission has Coulson in the crosshairs. Yeah. He's in the crosshairs and I'm not going to say much more about this because I don't want to spoil things. Um, but, uh, there's conflict between Coulson and Deadpool and something happens that I did not like. And so I own this comic book now and it's going into my shield collection. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, the other two Deadpool comics I have, if you didn't listen last time are because of great lakes Avengers. And I bought it just to complete my great lakes Avengers appearances. And later on just grew a hatred for Deadpool. But here we are now. I did it. It's done. I own the comic. The other comic I bought at the same time was man thing. Number four, I'm going to buy all of them. turns out it's a five issue mini series. I will buy issue number five and on the comic book time machine, I'll do something about it. But yeah, I wasn't excited about that one either. Cause I haven't been enjoying the series and I'm hoping it's just going to get better. And that something's going to happen in the last issue. That's going to make me say, Oh, I'm so glad I bought all of them. Not this time though. <laughs> not, not this issue. So anyway, yes, I bought a Deadpool comic, Daniel. I don't know what this means for you, but but somehow this is some sort of victory for you, and I'm just going to make sure that you you get your due. And that is our post-credit. Uh, okay. That happened. <laughs>